Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. You're listening to The Dworkin Report. I'm Scott Dworkin. This week, we have an exclusive interview with Bill Browder after Vladimir Putin just admitted that he's terrified of him. The Russian dictator name-dropped Browder publicly at this week's treason summit with Trump in Helsinki, Finland, as the one man who scares him now that his global crusade against corruption has gone viral. Now, Bill Browder's fight is threatening to undo Putin's kleptocracy. This in-depth interview reveals the secrets of the Russian oligarchy in a way you will not hear anywhere else. Here's my interview with Bill Browder. Bill Browder, thank you for taking the time today. How are you? I'm doing really well. Thank you. Given the circumstances, obviously Putin just named you, you know, in his uh, own personal uh, press conference with Trump as an international enemy number one, I guess, this week. Uh, most Americans know who you are, but can you explain to, to my listeners uh, in just a couple minutes how you went from investor to global anti-corruption activist and why? Well, I, I was originally um, running an investment fund in Russia um, back in the late 1990s and early 2000s and discovered massive corruption in the companies that I invested in. And um, uh, I decided to try to fight the corruption by exposing it, by researching and exposing it. And, and uh and I did that for a while at really big companies like Gazprom and other big Russian companies. And that completely um, rubbed the Kremlin and Putin the wrong way because they were getting some of this money. And they expelled me from the country. They declared me a threat to national security. Uh, and, then, and then my offices were raided. The, um, they seized all the documents. And then they, 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 these guys um, perpetrated a $230 million tax refund fraud of stealing $230 million of taxes that we had paid to the Russian government from the Russian government using um, using the documents seized by the police. I got my lawyer, Sergei Magnitsky, involved. Sergei uh, exposed the crime, um, testified against some of the individuals involved, and then was subsequently arrested by some of the same people involved that he testified against, put in pretrial detention, tortured for 358 days, and killed at the age of 37 on November 16, 2009. And um, since his murder, it's been, I put aside everything else I've been doing and I've um, been on a mission to get justice for him, which has culminated in something called the Magnitsky Act, which imposes visa sanctions and asset freezes on human rights violators from Russia, including the people who killed Sergei Magnitsky. Uh, I didn't quite appreciate it at the time, but it turns out that um, that the Magnitsky Act is um, it's probably the single most effective tool in fighting Putin because he's a human rights violator and he keeps a lot of money offshore. And so this is sort of specially tailored for him. And he's very angry with me for doing this and very angry with the campaign that I've conducted to try to get more Magnitsky Acts passed around the world. How many countries right now have passed Magnitsky uh, Anti-Corruption Acts already? Um, so at the moment, we have seven countries, the United States, Canada, U.K., 
plus the three countries in the Baltics, Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania, and then the little island of Gibraltar. And we have eight countries on deck. We have um, uh, Germany, France, Sweden, Denmark, and Holland in Europe, and then Australia, South Africa, and Ukraine. I would genuinely describe it as a, a political concept that's going viral. It's, um, part of the reason it's so popular is everybody is seeing how, how, um, how it really touches the nerve of, of bad guys like Vladimir Putin. Right. Right. No, absolutely. And, and you've uh, obviously felt some blowback from Putin. What, what, what kind of blowback have you faced while traveling the globe seeking the, the Magnitsky sanctions already? I know there have been some interactions with Interpol or, or whatnot, but what have you faced now since you started this crusade? Well, basically, they, they, they have tried to criminalize me, the Russian government. They've sentenced me twice um, in, 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 uh, in absentia court proceedings uh, to twice to nine years. So I've been sentenced to 18 years in prison in Russia. They've then used Interpol seven times to try to have me arrested. And thankfully, each time Interpol rejects their requests. They've approached the British government on 12 different occasions for mutual legal assistance and extradition. They've, I've been sued for libel in the, in the UK high court. I've been sued for bankruptcy. All, all these cases were, were all kicked out as being abusive process. They've now opened up new cases against me in Russia for a serial murder. They claim, they're trying to claim that I murdered Sergei Magnitsky. They're, they're claiming that I'm a MI6 CIA agent determined to bring the government of Russia down and various other things. It's a, it's a full-on, highly resourced, major campaign to try to destroy me, try to get me back to Russia, try to kill me. That's very clear from everything we've seen on our end as well. But what point in the last two, three years have you come to believe that like Putin was manipulating or controlling or you know, involved with Donald Trump, what tipped you off? And is this something you've seen Putin do before with the uh, politicians? Well, I, um, I, I, I have, I'm not quite sure exactly what's going on between Putin and Donald Trump. I mean, the, the, the actual government, the U.S. government has been quite tough on Putin recently. They, they, they imposed these really tough oligarch sanctions back in April, going after Deripaska and Vexelberg and effectively freezing all their assets worldwide, which is quite extraordinary. On the other hand, we, uh, you, you have to be blind not to, not to read all these idiotic tweets where he's praising Putin and this crazy, crazy summit in Helsinki. So it, it's really hard to, hard to sort of figure out who, who's doing what to whom over, the, over here and what it all means because it's all schizophrenic. On one hand, you have, have a government, which I, I would compliment on, on their uh, approach to Russia. And then on the other hand, you have this weird, weird bonhomie between these two men, which doesn't make any sense to me and doesn't, and it's very unhelpful. Were you surprised when you were brought up in the, in the press conference? I wasn't surprised because Putin has been bringing me up on a lot of different places. I'm really on the front of his mind. Um, he, he, uh, he really has, he really hates me and he really wants to destroy me. And, um, mm -hmm. and he's using a lot of different tactics to do it. And in fact, I was, I was even thinking before the press conference tweeting out, um, I wonder if Putin is going to bring me up. And then I thought, no, I, that, that's too self-centered and, and, and so on. And uh, sure enough, uh, he brought me up. It, it really is uh, amazing, you know, to see that he holds a grudge, you know, at, at the level of Trump. Uh, that's, that, that's what it seems to me. Um, the, uh, I, I'd like to get your thoughts just real quickly on the Steele dossier. It's been out for 18 months. I know you've had some history with the research firm that procured it. But overall, do you find... Steele's reports to be accurate that, that are in the public dossier that we've seen? Well, so there, there's two different people. There's um, Christopher Steele and then there's Glenn Simpson. 
Christopher Steele has a uh, an unblemished reputation as being a truth teller and being a, a an honest investigator. Uh, Glenn Simpson has a uh, has a reputation of being a, um, a a gun for hire, somebody who will lie for money um, and um, who will who will make make up evidence if it suits his purposes. And um, and so the the real question is how much of the dossier um, was is Glenn Simpson's and, and how much what 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 kind of fingerprints Glenn Simpson has on it. And what kind of uh, responsibility does Christopher Steele have on it? The fact that Glenn Simpson is involved makes me want to effectively put the dossier to one side, and all these questions should be asked not by 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 some um, Washington uh, professional liar of like Glenn Simpson, but by Robert Mueller, who has a clear a mandate to get to the answers to these questions, and he's getting some pretty interesting answers as he goes through and builds up his case. We'll be right back with part two. This episode of The Dworkin Report is brought to you by Resistors Like You. We aim to keep this show independent for as long as we can. Visit DworkinReport.com to see how you can help out. One of the best ways is by hitting that contribute button in the top right and giving what you can. Thanks again for your support. Let's get back to the show. In the second part of my interview with Bill Browder, he reveals exactly how Putin's government has literally railroaded him in retaliation for uncovering the fraudulent underpinnings of the Russian oligarch economy, or Sistema, as it's sometimes known. If you've never understood the term Russian oligarch, then this is going to be a revelation. Here's part two of my chat with Bill Browder. There's a very interesting thing that we found separate from that. Um, My producer, Grant Stern, wrote an article highlighting the links between Magnitsky and the Russian railways uh, based on a series of photographs that I found um, that 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 was, I guess, it uncovered the fact that Trump knew Rob Goldstone, uh, who set up the Trump Tower meeting, and, and pictures that we had discovered in deep dive. But uh, he wanted me to ask you this question: Can you describe the business ties between the Russian railways and the the murder of Sergei Magnitsky and Prevazon's subsequent tax crime? So, so here, here here's the, the the way to string these all these events together. So you have. Um, a $230 million fraud was committed by officials in the Russian government. Sergei Magnitsky discovers it. He exposes it. He gets arrested, tortured, and murdered for exposing it. We then go after the money to figure out who's got the money so we can prevent them from enjoying the fruits of their crime. And we do a major money laundering investigation. And one of the, um, one of the um, recipients of the money was a company called Preverzone. Preverzone is a Cyprus company. And Preverzone um, uh, bought property in New York using some of the proceeds from that crime. Preverzone is owned by a, a, a man named Denis Katsiv, and Denis Katsiv is the son of Pyotr Katsiv. Pyotr Katsiv is a vice president of Russian Railways, and Russian Railways is one of the two or three most important state-owned companies in Russia, and he's um, clearly an inner, inner circle guy in the Putin regime. Right. No. And and so what about there's a guy also, the former Russian railway CEO, Victor Yakunin, an oligarch, endorsed Donald Trump in 2016 on on CNBC, uh, just a couple of days after the Trump Tower meeting with Natalia Veselnitskaya. Um, She was in America solely to defend Prevazon, who she represented from uh, federal criminal charges. Do you think he was involved in the election attacks? That is Yakunin uh, in some way that isn't yet understood? Um, I, I really don't have enough detailed understanding of Yakunin's role to really to, to speak intelligently on the matter. Understood. Uh, most people 
I've spoken with consider you one of the world's foremost experts on Russian affairs and specifically for your knowledge of the Russian oligarchy. Each Russian oligarch is part of a small group of Putin's friends and intimates who come to control the bulk of money and political power over there. Each seems to have one or two tasks they perform for the state. Is there one Russian oligarch who hasn't gotten media attention yet, but should for the activities that they have over there? Well, I think there's more than one. I think there's many. All Russia, they're, they're, so just, just to lay out the sort of lay of the land as I see it, Putin is a very rich man, but he doesn't hold the money in his own name. The, name, the money is held in the name of Russian oligarch trustees. And most oligarchs, maybe all, but not quite all, but most, play this role where they hold money for Vladimir Putin. And many, so when you see an oligarch is worth $20 billion or $10 billion, half that money is Putin's. Some of these people are, are, are very well known and some of them are totally anonymous. These people um, uh, play a very important role for the Russian government because they have for many years um, ingratiated themselves in the West with um, bankers, lawyers, and the establishment. They give money to charities, and they become sort of members of the, of the establishment, and they can do um, the bidding of Russia and Putin and the FSB. In terms of names, I don't want to start throwing names out there randomly, but you can be pretty well assured that there are many oligarchs who are left unexposed who will, over time, be exposed. Do you happen to, to know... Anything about uh, Dana Rohrabacher, the congressman from, from here, and the former congressman, Kurt Weldon? Do you have any personal observations to share about them, or do you know either of them from their business in Russia? So Dana Rohrabacher, um, I believe, is in some way fully compromised by Russia. His conduct, um, that he has, um, his conduct in, in relation to furthering Russian goals makes me believe that, he, that, that, he's either, that, that he's either on the payroll or there's something seriously corrupt about his his behavior he um he has been actively he he had he had uh, furtive and secretive meetings in moscow with a guy named victor green who was the deputy general prosecutor of russia one of the key culprits in the magnitsky case somebody who was on the u.s sanctions list he met with victor green and basically green asked him to to um, go back to america and try to try to stop the, the progress of the global magnitsky act in the spring of 2016 and Dana Rohrabacher dutifully oper- uh, went about the task that he was given by Victor Green. Um, he tried to stop the Global Magnitsky Act from going from being put on the agenda of the House Foreign Affairs Committee. Uh, when when we when it became known that he had done that, we outed him. He then tried to hold hearings or during the markup of the Global Magnitsky Act, he tried to I- insert an amendment to um, delete Sergei Magnitsky's name from the piece of legislation, which failed miserably. He was also on a regular basis meeting with Natalia Veselnitskaya and helping them and working with them on this project to stop the Magnitsky Act. And in fact, um, I believe he met with Natalia Veselnitskaya both before and after um, the Trump Tower meeting where she met with Donald Trump Jr. Wow. There's an annual... DC event called the World Russia Forum run by a professor named Dr. Lozansky. We saw your name on a couple of the guest lists in the early 2000s. Did you find anything unusual about these events or Dr. Lozansky, or do you remember those events at all? Um, I, I, I think I went one year, I can't remember, um, a long, long time ago. Um, and I went to a lot of Russian conferences. I, I mean, he, he's since um, been outed as some kind of Putin, Western Putin apologist. But as far as that, I don't know much more than that. Um, about him. I know there are a lot of people digging around about him, but I don't have any specific inside knowledge. And then lastly, uh, how can we fix the fact that the Russians have infiltrated America's government at the highest levels and fix 
the entire kind of Trump-Russia situation? How can we fix things? I mean, a good example of, of uh, how to react to it is how, uh, how the um, checks and balances have worked this last week in relation to me. So um, me and, uh, and I should say a few other people where where uh, Vladimir Putin wanted to hand, have the U.S. hand me and various other people over. And um, uh, and when Congress got involved, they voted unanimously, 98 to zero um, uh, to um, reject that deal. This is exactly how over congressional oversight should work. I don't think Washington is in any way sympathetic to um, I should say I don't think that Congress is in any way sympathetic to Russia or Putin. And um and that's a very strong check in place. And that check was put in place in relation to sanctions and took away um, or basically took over the power of lifting sanctions um, from from the executive branch to the congressional branch. Bill, just personally, I appreciate your efforts worldwide and, and just what you're doing. And, you know, big fan of your work, everything you've done involving the Magnitsky Act and then also pushing back against Putin when democracy is under attack across the world by by the Russians. And so I can't thank you enough for taking the time and also your efforts at a constant. I personally know, you know, being targeted, it was right when I was calling for a special counsel last year in April 2017, the UK embassy, uh, the the Russian embassy in the UK tweeted out a a targeting kind of thing saying, keep saying that uh, Trump is Putin's puppet to me and another reporter. Uh, Basically, that was the start of the harassment campaign against me. Um, So I definitely feel for you. I understand exactly uh, parts of it. Obviously, you know, Putin didn't name me in a press conference. So uh, but but really what you're doing is so important. And I can't thank you enough. Thank you again for taking the time today. My pleasure. Thank you for for your time and, and have a great day. Bill Browder, everybody. I want to thank him for taking the time today. I want to thank my producer, Grant Stern, for all his hard work. I also want to thank Patrick Simpson, who helped out on this episode. You can visit our website at dworkandreport.com. Great news aggregator website. Check it out, folks. That's how you can support uh, the podcast and everything we do here. Thanks again for listening. Onward!